My son, keep your father's commandment and forsake not your mother's teaching. Bind them on your heart always. Tie them around your neck. When you walk, they will lead when they walk, they will lead you. When you, sorry, when you walk, they will lead you. When you lie down, they will watch over you. And when you awake, they will talk with you. For the commandment is a lamp, and the teaching a light. And the reproofs of discipline are the way of life to preserve you from the evil woman, from the smooth tongue of the adulteress. Do not desire her beauty in your heart, and do not let her capture you with her eyelashes. For the price of a prostitute is only a loaf of bread. But a married woman hunts down a precious life. Can a man carry fire next to his chest and his clothes not be burned? Or can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be scorched? So is he who goes into his neighbor's wife. None who touches her will go unpunished. People do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy his appetite when he is hungry. But if he is caught, he will pay sevenfold. He will give all the goods of his house. He who commits adultery lacks sense. He who does it destroys himself. He will get wounds and dishonor, and his disgrace will not be wiped away. For jealousy makes a man furious, and he will not spare when he takes revenge. He will accept no compensation. He will refuse, though you multiply gifts. I guess uh, it's time for the young ones to go to their classes and anyone else who doesn't particularly want to sit through this is welcome to leave and go sit with the kids. My wife and I are missionaries in Jordan. We're there to proclaim the gospel to Muslims. And I'm not going to talk about that this morning. I've been asked to, to preach on this passage. So this is what we're going to, uh, <clears throat> to deal with. Um, the teachers here have been going through ten lessons in the home. Uh, from Proverbs. I want to talk about the home because these lessons are powerful in the home, maybe the most effective in the home. The home, as you know, or the family, is God's ideal design for mankind. Remembering what what it says in Genesis, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. A godly home, a man, a wife, children, reflecting the glory of God, carrying out the tasks that He's given them to do. At the heart of that home is a healthy sexual relationship. It's one of God's wonders, His blessing. It's glue that holds the home together. It may be the strongest force given to mankind because it can bond marriages together and thus it can hold families together and thus if families are held together, communities are held together, churches Um, society at large because of this glue, this powerful thing that God gave us. So the lesson today in the home is about sexuality. The father is trying to instruct the son, bring him into understanding so that his 
life will be protected in the grace of God and his home and the homes of God's people. Um, The first verse says, My son, keep your father's commandment and forsake not your mother's teaching. Uh, The scripture has a lot to say about the father's teaching because this bearing and raising children, be fruitful and multiply, is not just about making babies and then giving them the right nutrition and the right protection and the right clothing and the right education and then sending them off. It's about intentionally bringing the understanding of God into their lives, a spiritual awareness and understanding, wisdom. So God wants parents to raise their children in His ways to follow Him, come to know Him, trust to believe what He says, believe the Gospel, and then do what He instructs them to do. The Shema, the word that was spoken daily uh, among God's people in the Old Testament. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is one. I'm sorry. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your home and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. What is your home known by? What do people see when they come in? What do they hear? This is not just an Old Testament idea, Old Covenant. This is, this is New Covenant. Um, <clears throat> Ephesians 6, 1-4. These are to believers in Jesus. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you, blessing, and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Are you as a dad teaching your children? I realized some years ago that I was not doing a great job at this. I made a good policeman. I could explain the rules. I could lay down the rules. And then I could point out violations. And I was doing pretty good at that. But I wasn't bringing understanding to my children. Um, And I was struggling with this. As they grew older, they needed to know. They needed to know who Jesus was and and, uh, his ways for them. Somebody handed me this book called Shepherding a Child's Heart by Ted Tripp, which a lot of the ideas are taken from Proverbs. But it talks about we as fathers, we shepherd the hearts of our children towards God in a Godward direction. And when we see other directions there, we discipline. We, we, like a shepherd, if you ever see a shepherd in the Middle East, um, he goes to such extremes. When a sheep gets off the, the way he wants him to go, He'll take a a rock and he'll throw it. Um, It's discipline. Come here, sheep. Get back on this way. This is the way I'm leading you to life. Um, We discipline them in God's ways. We don't just discipline or shepherd their behavior. We don't just try to get them to be the people that we 
think they ought to be. We shepherd their heart. And there are other great helps for this. The first lesson, though, is, Son, I am your loving parent, given by God as your instructor. Now, I know you might not see me as a teacher, that I'm not perfect, but listen to me and gain life and be blessed. There are other ways you can go, son, but in this home, I'm going to promote, I'm going to lead this way because this is the way that will bring you into God's blessing. This is the way that will bring you into life. Now, there's some singles here. There are grandparents here. You know, it's never too early or too late to begin to, to help take care of other people's souls. I'm very much promoting that, that fathers take their God-given role in their home as teachers, but if you're a grandparent, there's a lot you can do to help shepherd the souls of your grandchildren and children. Um, as a single person, you can begin to look for ways to join with other people and taking care maybe of children, maybe of, of others. Because if God wills, we say in the Middle East, inshallah, you'll be married someday and you'll, you'll be a shepherd. That's what he's calling you to, to be. If you don't, you can still shepherd people your whole life. So the first way to protect this God-given design, this blessing, this place of his dwelling in life, to protect it from adultery, is fathers need to teach their children. The second way is that sons need to really bind this teaching to their heart. Verse 21, bind them, the, te- the commandment and the teaching. Oh, by the way, you know, fathers and mothers are here together. But because fathers are given this direct commandment in the Old and New Testament, that's why I'm focusing on them. But this is really a joint effort. Perhaps the fathers are the initiators, the leaders in this. Anyways, bind them, the father's commandment and the mother's teaching, on your heart always. Tie them around your neck. When you walk, they will lead you. When you lie down, they will watch over you. And when you awake, they will talk with you. For the commandment is a lamp and the teaching a light. And the reproofs of discipline are the way of life to preserve you from the evil woman or from the neighbor's wife. It's another way that could be translated. From the smooth tongue of the adulteress. The son needs to take responsibility of his own heart. And this is a process. As David Roper pointed out a few weeks ago, the heart is the deepest part of our being. Our true self, the thing that determines why, why we do what we do. The Father says, bind these, this teaching, this wisdom, this commandment I'm going to give you on your heart. Well, how does that work? Perhaps an illustration from the Olympics would help. Has anyone been watching the Olympics? You know, we've had lots of late nights watching this drama unfold and You know, the women's gymnastic team has just dazzled our family. There's a story of Nastia Lukin, who won the all-around gold medal. Uh, She was a little girl. Um, She liked gymnastics, but her parents, both being gymnasts, knew the the cost of that, so they tried to dissuade her from that and get her to play the piano. And um, apparently, she couldn't stop hopping and leaping around the house and tumbling around, so they decided to 
to support her in, in her career as a gymnast and give, give her that training. It's quite a story she has, but three months before these Olympics, her mother um, brought in one of her husband's uh, gold medals from past Olympic that he won and looped it on a board in her room. And her mother said, I think it was important to remind her on a daily basis of something her father had achieved. I wanted her to believe that she could do it too. So Nastia Lukin said that medal had given her the extra motivation and made her feel empowered while training for this Olympics and it would continue to motivate her. I think the father is saying, son, take this teaching to heart. Wrap it on your heart. Remember it regularly. Be deeply impressed by this. Be motivated by this. Be empowered by this teaching to be the person God created you to be. And if you do this, son, regularly, you'll find life. Your life in Him will be protected. You will be blessed. Now, there's a parallel phrase here. Bind it around your heart. Tie it around your neck or literally throat. And this most likely means memorize it. Utter it. Um, utter what he has to say. Remember it. Let's, let's review it regularly. Our, our devotions as family sometimes gets dry, you know, when we have to drag our teenagers out of bed and throw a bucket of water in their face so they can open their eyes and listen to what we're saying. Um, one thing we've done though, that seems to work well in our family is memorize Scripture. And uh, we just take a psalm or passage of Scripture and go through it. it. It could take a week. It could take two weeks. It could take a long time. Then there's games we can play with it. We, we go around and we see if we can say it phrase by phrase around the room. Um, then we try word by word. But once it's in the heart, in the head, it can more easily be used by the heart. And we can talk about what it means. Um, this goes hand in hand with taking this to heart, is immersing yourself in the Word regularly. And then he says, really, what the, um, what the huge benefit of this is. It will lead the Son as a shepherd. It will watch over Him. It will talk to Him Keep him company. Uh, young people have this incredible desire for companionship. I mean, it's a God-given desire. But the father is saying, look, son, first find your companionship, your soulmate in the wisdom of God. First take that to heart because he will comfort you. He will lead you through your life. He will talk to you when you wake up. He will be a friend. And this wisdom, of course, all points to Christ. Uh, you won't have need for this deceptive talk, you know, for this other companion that, that you might think will comfort your soul. Uh, first, find your, your, your rest with this soulmate. Um, so he's saying, the way to be protected, son is immerse yourself in who God is and in His, his spirit and His teaching, His truth and be connected with Him. 
Um, then he says, for the commandment is a lamp and the teaching a light and the reproofs of discipline are the way of life. Um, the reproofs of discipline. Now, why would the son need the reproofs of discipline? Why would he need to be reproved? Well, he must have blown it. He must have received this te- some teaching at home. He must have heard what God wanted him to do, a why, the goodness in that, and he must have, like that sheep, stepped off. He had to be disciplined. This, this is a process. You know, it's a process. And you can see in this teaching that the father's really engaged with his son. He's, he's not just laying down a commandment. You know, he's explaining things. He's taking time to correct and then go back and explain again. Son, this is why we, uh, you know, you ought to do this. It's because God asked you to do this and, and he's good and he can give you the strength to do that. My wife and I, when we were reading this, we said, well, where is the gospel in this, in this chapter? I mean, it's all about, you know, um, not doing something I think the gospel is, if in the teaching of the parents, certainly the father teaches his way, brings up his kids in the in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So he says the Lord wants us to do it because He's designed us this way. But you know what? In our own power, we can't walk the way He's, he's He has for us to walk. We can't please Him by our own effort. We will fail. And there's the gospel. God has made a way for us to be forgiven. We need to call out for His mercy and His help, for His forgiveness. He's a kind, loving Father who wants to know us, who wants us to depend on Him. And then we believe in Jesus through His Spirit. He empowers us more and more to walk in His ways. We will never be perfect but we can glorify Him by believing and by continuing in an increasing way to walk in His light. And it's a, it is a process. Um, and if they learn these things at home, you know, and the small things, like don't touch this, the oven uh, or this or that, they learn these things in small ways. As they get older, the issues become a little bit more broad. It's not just obey this rule or obey this. It's what kind of attitude do you have with that? What kind of words, what kind of attitude are you really saying when you use your words that way? Or give those kinds of looks or things. But it's all training of the heart. And if they begin this, this understanding at home, as they go out, as they leave, His truth His wisdom will be the lamp and the light for them. They will go out with confidence that they are with with the living God to glorify Him and please Him and bless Him and bless others. And they will know what to do when they they fail. They will know to to, to flee to His cross for mercy and forgiveness. And they will go out with His presence as a guide. Some of you are getting ready to go off to college. I know we have one in our family who's getting ready to head off. And 
you needn't think, I'm, oh no, I'm leaving my, my parents' home. I'm leaving my home church. I, how am I going to make it? Well, hopefully you've learned the goodness and the presence of the Lord and how to, to be regularly washing your heart with His, with His Word and get connected with other believers. Okay, so there's the, the, the kind of the, the infrastructure of this teaching. Now, here's the command. And there's 15 verses here, and there's one command. And here it is. Do not desire her beauty in your heart, and do not let her capture you with her eyelashes. Okay, that's the commandment. Now, that echoes two of the Ten Commandments. Which ones? Number seven, do not commit, you shall not commit adultery. And number ten, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or his Mercedes or his jet ski or his cabin. Anything that is your neighbor's, you shall not covet that. Okay, so the Father is really explaining the source of adultery. The heart. Do not desire her beauty in your heart. This is how to please God. This is how to walk safely in His light. And do not let her capture you with her eyelashes. The young man must take responsibility. Must guard the affections of his heart. He must not be controlled by his flesh. And hopefully in the process he's been learning that. You know, his parents have been teaching him that. He must be motivated by what is right and good and wholesome. But do we see the contrast that the Father's laying out? He's really saying, bind your heart with God's commandment and wisdom, okay? And He will bind your life. He will guard and protect your life. And you won't be bound by adultery. Or we could add sexual immorality or fornication. This is really a matter of your hearts. And do not be ensnared by her eyelashes. I think of that stuff in Spider-Man 3. I forget what it's called, you know, but it comes out and just grips onto this Spider-Man's body and then just takes him over. You know, don't be ensnared by her eyelashes. Don't be, you know, entrapped by those. Um, today in the Middle East where we live, the eyes are still the the, the gateway to seduction. I mean, they are the, the gateway to desire. And they're very, they can be used very seductively. And so, um, generally, with women we don't know, we don't look them in the eye as men. Um, or they're not supposed to look us in the eye. Of course, if we're in a public place and we're dealing in a class or something, yes. But just one-on-one, no. It should not happen. Because they still think or, 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 or know that the eyes are the gateway here. Um, so how do you get the right desire? I mean, you say, okay, I just, I just melt with the eyes. You know, people look at me and, whoa, I'm just gone. That's desire. I mean, how do I get the right desire? Well, it's, Jesus gives us a kind of a simple but profound answer. He says, if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. 
It is better for you to enter life with one eye than two eyes and be thrown into the hell of fire. The point is, we need to take drastic measures. Whatever that thing is that would stimulate us to, to, to sin, have sinful desire in our hearts, we need to take drastic measures to avoid it. Could be many things, you know. Um, we haven't watched U.S. commercials for a long time since we disconnected our TV antenna in the state, uh, in Jordan. But here I'm just um, stunned, you know, by the sensuousness of a lot of these commercials um, because I think the models have been trained how to give inviting, seductive looks. And if they can just do that while sitting in a car, you know, then you all of a sudden like that car or, you know, with a certain bottle of beer, then you all of a sudden think that kind of bottle of beer is good. But it's really, they're really working at the, the desire of the, of the heart. They're really trying to get in there and cause, um, bring, bring forth sin. I think men need to, when they get up and shave in the morning, we ought to have a little verse on our mirror. It's Proverbs 11.22. Just as you look at your beautiful face in the morning, says, like a gold ring in a pig's snout is a beautiful woman without discretion. The, the father is even acknowledging she has beauty. That gold ring is beautiful. But misused, it's despicable. It's detestable. It's dirty. It's, you know, it's, it's ugly. So men, don't be that kind of animal. You know? Um... That's his command. Do not desire her beauty in your heart. Do not be ensnared by her eyelashes, her eyes. Then he gives a couple reasons. First reason is that the penalty is severe. Okay? The cost of adultery is very high. It is a precious life, is what he says. For the price of a prostitute or adulterous woman, is only a loaf of bread. But a wife of a man hunts down a precious life. That verse is a little bit ambiguous, the way it's phrased, and um, the two different words for the women. But I think what he's saying is this. Look, no matter what kind of deal you can get, no matter how little you have to pay out of your pocket, okay, that is nothing compared to what you have to pay with your soul. There's no comparison. There's no comparison. Because she hunts down a precious life. She's not concerned for your welfare, ultimately. Um, in Proverbs 5, he said, Her feet go down to death. Her steps follow the path to Shoal. She does not ponder the path of life. Her ways wander and she does not, and she does not know it. And, he's, and he says, think about fire, guys. Can a man carry fire next to his chest and his clothes not be burned? Or can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be scorched? So it is he who goes into his neighbor's wife None who touches her will go unpunished. The, the, the penalty is severe and it's inevitable. You will pay. Uh, you can't hug fire, hot burning coals in your chest and not burn yourself. 
um, you dummy, <laughs> you know. Um, one of the things um, on the internet, uh, there, there are dumb things that humans have done and they're called the Darwin Awards. Um, one of the ones that kind of, you know, impressed me was there was two men and they had a new pickup and a dog and they were going to go ice fishing. So they went ice fishing, drove out on the ice, and the ice was thick, and they didn't want to expend the energy to dig through the ice, to make the hole. So one of the men said, don't worry, I have a stick of dynamite. So he lit the dynamite, and he threw it out onto the ice. Well, guess what? The dog ran out, picked up the dynamite, and started running back. The men went, frantic. They started chasing this dog. And you know when you chase a dog that's plain fetch, they never come back to you. So where did he go? He ran under the new pickup. <laughs> Men, think. <laughs> Give it some thought. You get burned. That's as, that's as simple as the father is saying, is saying, telling him here, don't be stupid. Um, God gives you life. Why would you, you know, for a loaf of bread, throw it away? The penalty is severe. Now, there's, there may be some here today, you know, who are... I, I talked to a few, few men after the serv- first service came up and said, I've been through this. And, and, and the, the, the teacher, the father's right. There may be some men in here who are who are thinking of these of of doing this. Actually, you know, they say this doesn't just come out of the blue. Usually, it's something that's thought about and pondered. Take his warning. Don't do it. Get some help. The second reason is the penalty is ongoing. You will pay, and you will continue to pay. Verse thirty. Verses 30 to 32. People do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy his appetite when he is hungry. But if he is caught, he will pay sevenfold. He will give all the goods of his house. He who commits adultery lacks sense. He who does it destroys himself. He will get wounds and dishonor. And his disgrace will not be wiped away. For jealousy makes a man furious and he will not spare when he takes revenge. He will not accept compensation. He gives, he contrasts again. He contrasts a thief who steals because he's extremely hungry and poor and an adulterer. He says, look, that thief, if he's caught, okay, he's going to have to pay. And he's going to have to pay back more than he stole, seven times more. But he will pay and he will not live with the reproach of the community. His, his crime is somehow mitigated by his circumstance and the community understands that. But for an adulterer, and here he, he, he shifts the focus from the adulterous woman to the adulterous man, and he says for the adulterer, uh, his dishonor will rest on him. His disgrace in front of the community will remain, will not be wiped away. Um, 
As a matter of fact, he has wiped himself out. Um, and this, this word that he uses for uh, his wounds, it's the same word that he uses for the, the man who, um, who goes in. Uh, in verse 29, he who goes into his neighbor's wife None who touches her will go unpunished. That's a very uh, sensual phrase, uh, but the same word for touch is the same word for wounds. It could be also strokes. Hey guys, think about it. Okay, you got your. You think you get your strokes? You'll get them. That's what he's saying. You think you think you know you think you've done this and, and gotten what you want? It's coming back. And the, shame, the, the penalty will be ongoing. Um, now, uh, he does say the reason in their culture was the jealousy of the husband. You know, his, his, his wrath, okay, this heats up the man's strength, literally, the heating up of his strength. Won't, won't, the jealousy will do that. It won't, nothing you can give to him will compensate him or make him cool down. Um, our culture is not the same. Our legal system is not the same. But I hope, I'm not, some lawyers would need to confirm this, but I hope that it rep- represents damage done to the other spouse. And it in some ways demonstrates that they've been offended and, you know, and that's going on there. But in this, in this culture, uh, the husband's strength, the husband's jealousy could never be... Uh, uh, brought down, you know, uh, cooled off by the the offender. The the husband had the right to be jealous. This is one thing I think we can take from this too, is that you husbands, most of you are stronger than your wives. Most of you aren't as good looking as your wives, but you are there to protect your wives. When other men look at your wife, they ought to see you in the shadow. You ought to be expressing your love in public, your connection with her, and so that this is God's design, so that men, other men know uh, she's protected. Okay, I think jealousy in the scriptures, and it's, always, it's compared oftentimes to a husband's jealousy, it's always looked at as in a good light. It's appropriate. It's appropriate. Um, we spent uh, a little time this summer with my parents, um, and my father is now 71 years old. And he told us, even with tears in his eyes, that he only saw his grandfather maybe twice his whole life. Uh, he had left his grandmother for another woman. My dad's own father also um, left the home and my father was 18 and he you know we we knew that he was he was a womanizer he was with many women um and there's obviously pain there there's obviously social disgrace there's also obviously a shame that rests on those men um even though my grandfather you know in the very end of his life sought the lord's mercy and believed in jesus but his, li- his precious life was, was ruined. He wiped it out. Um, 
my father confesses or, or gives glory to God that for the, if it were not for the grace of God and Jesus and the forgiveness he has, he would, his marriage may not have held together. Um, but praise God that he took this teaching and this wisdom to heart. I mean, he, he, he checks in with, our grandki- with his grandkids. He, he's in a way, he's asking about our, our lives, our souls. He and my mom are praying for us daily, I think. He's now a shepherd. He's being the shepherd God intended him to be, a protector of our home, a protector of God's glory, in a sense, in our lives. It's never too late, men, to take this role as a shepherd, to be protector, teacher. Um, if you're a grandfather, it may look different than if you're a father. I'm sure it will, but maybe there's things you can do when you get together to take leadership and to express your care and love and spiritual concern for your family. Um, well, all of this is really is really overshadowed or, or in, in, it's, it stands in front of this larger principle that really the, hus- the other husband or the, the offended party is not the one to fear. Ultimately, it's God. And I'm just amazed, you know, in the New Testament, how it talks about this. Um, and he's talking to believers in Jesus, like you and I. He says, Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. He will exact vengeance. He will judge. In 1 Thessalonians 4, 1-8, he says, Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus... Hey, believers in Jesus who have found life in His name and, and, and companionship with His Holy Spirit, we ask and urge you that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, you do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, and that no one transgress or wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things. He says the Lord Jesus is an avenger in all these things. That is something you on. As we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you, for God has not called us to impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this, O believers in Jesus, disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. This is God's design, his plan. This is his uh, calling for us men and women. Women are with us in this. This is calling that we need to walk in. Home is the place where hearts are changed. Home is the place where the heart is instructed and directed towards God to find His life, His light, 
His goodness, His blessing for His own life and for others. So we all need to take this protection from adultery seriously and promote, promote what God is calling us to do. Ask the worship team to come up at this time and then I'll close with a word of prayer after that.